NIV, unity and maturity in the body of Christ. Ephesians 4, starting with verse 11. So Christ gave, him, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip, equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Amen. Thank you, Greg. What holds you together? What has gotten you to where you are today? It doesn't matter what your age is. What has gotten you to where you are today? What do you think gets your neighbor through the day? What gets your children through the day? What gets your spouse through the day? And where are you in all of these things? Where is God in all of it? Where is God in your life? Where is God in the activities of this world? If God has his pockets so full with all these gifts, why is our country in the position that it's in? Why do people do the things they do? Why is there still the idol of I? Me, myself, and I. Has, you, has in any of the spiritual gifts, gifts study, you know, Greg or any of the science classes, have you found the gift of me, myself, and I? Is that one of the spiritual gifts? Oh, man, that's not one of the spiritual gifts. We all seem to have that down pretty well. It's something that's just right there. But we read here from Ephesians about this blessing. But there is a blessing about the spiritual gifts of any group, you know, a group, a body of believers. It doesn't matter the size. It doesn't matter the age of that group. But there is a spiritual blessing of that group, of that body of believers, and how they come together in unity. How they work together in unity. I shared last week the toolbox with the kids, and we had to picture many different tools. And it takes all of them to get the job done. As the kids told us today that together we can do anything. Man, why can't we grow up and keep that attitude? Why can't we all become adults and keep that attitude that we can do anything with the Lord, with the strength of the Lord, with the counsel with true and holy unity. Because what happens when there is unity? 
What happens there? The work, the work of the body, the work of the believers, it becomes what? Effective. Effective. We get the job done. The body of believers experience what? Together they experience spiritual growth. So we got effectiveness. We're being effective. The whole body is growing spiritually. And what does that lead to? It leads to spiritual health. A healthy body of believers. Wouldn't that be awesome? To be completely healthy as a body of believers. Completely effective, completely spiritually growing, and completely healthy. But here we go again. We are human beings. Emotional. Given free choice. With some selfishness on the side. With some personal opinions on the side. With our soapbox behind us. Just for that moment when we can pull it out and jump on top and look down at everyone. But that God's plan is for this perfect plan of effectiveness, spiritual growth, and healthiness. And in that combination, there will be results. And what type of results? Results that are lasting, eternal. Results that we can see right now on earth, but also results that we can see will be for the glory of heaven. Amen? Eternal, eternal work, eternal results. And as we listen to Paul today, and as Paul describes how Christ, yes, Jesus Christ, he is the head of the church. He's the head of the body. He's the head of the church body. And as the head, he sees and he makes sure that the church is equipped. Equipped with the people in the right place, in the right position, at the right time to do service. To be of service. Serving the church because you're serving the Lord. Serving the Lord so that you can serve the church. Paul names five there in verse 11. Yes, they are different in name, but yet they will overlap. They will cooperate. They work, to get the, they work together to get the Lord's work done. That's what we're here for, to get the Lord's work done. Not just something that is on the pastor's agenda or some checklist. Not something that comes down from the DES or the bishop but for the ministry that the Lord wants done right here, right now, with the people that are here. Notice the order even. The order is important as well. Paul shares this from direct inspiration from his Savior, Jesus Christ. Number one, what do you see there in verse 11? Shout it out. What's what's that verse 11? Verse 1. Apostles. You see that word apostles? What are the apostles? They are the go-getters. They're the ones that are, are to be fearless. To go out into the community where there is no path, 
where there is no protection of walls or pulpits or ceilings called the church. They are the go-getters. They bring the energy. They say, let's get going and get busy for Jesus. The apostle is ready to take back, take away from the enemy what the enemy has taken away from the church or taken away from God. Bringing the people back to the Lord. The apostle is about getting out there, taking back from Satan, regaining the holy standard of living in the darkness of the world. The apostle is the go-getter. Yes, they take the lead, they take the word, but there's always a right way and a wrong way to do those things. But they are the go-getters. Let's get out there with the word of God, sharing with the people that are not of the church. They're going out there into the world. They're going out there into these cracks and corners. They're getting out there to those people that are not of the church. The scholars, if you look it up, or if you Google it, so who are the apostles in Scripture? Well, it comes up, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, of course, the disciples. Those first people that walked with Jesus and that he called to go to write these books, to go and do ministry. Secondly, what do you see second after apostles? The prophets. Yes, we read a lot about the prophets in the Old Testament. God would give them the message. The prophet was expected to deliver the message. The prophet isn't any good unless he delivers the message. The messenger is no good if he doesn't bring the message. If you don't get the news, you don't get the warning, how can you respond? How can you change? How can you adjust your lifestyle? How can you know what to do next if the messenger doesn't get the message to you? Think about all those Old Testament prophets. If they they hadn't given the message... God would have found somebody else to go give the message. Doesn't mean the message is always received. Lots of times it's not received well at all. Because we are people. And we don't like somebody telling us that we're wrong, or we need to do something different, or that somebody's mad at us, or let alone that God would be mad at us. We don't receive that well, do we? But we need the prophets. The prophet... Also, the gift, this gift would overlap, of course, with the gift of knowledge, wisdom, and discerning spirit. And I'm sure you're seeing that as well, those taking the the test and the gift test and in the Sunday school classes. Your gifts, you know, probably are overlapping in this way. Because the prophet's going to share how God's going to guide. God's going to guide through this situation in this way. The prophet's going to share how God's going to direct you or direct the group, direct the church, or direct his people. But also the prophet's going to say, if X, Y, and Z doesn't get done, here comes the Lord and he's going to judge in this way. This is how he's going to judge and this is how he's going to see your disobedience or your obedience. So the prophet gives these type of directions, warnings, and say, hey, 
Look over here. Let me show you what God's word says. Let me share with you what the God has spoken with me. And just in a quick example, you remember Nathan, King David's prophet? Could you imagine being the prophet to a king? It'd be a challenge, wouldn't it? You'd have, have some special kind of boldness. And it would take a godly boldness. It would take a godly obedience. Nathan had to go before the king and say, Hey, King David. And he had to speak some truth to him. You read about it in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Nathan was a prophet, but he had some wisdom as well. He just didn't run up to David and shake his finger at him. Hey, what are you taking that man's wife for? No, he comes up and you read about how Nathan shares a story. Shares a story about a rich man and a poor man. The poor man has one little sheep and he raises it and his children care for it and it lives in the house with them. And you've got the rich man over here with this flocks and herds and hundreds of sheep. The rich man has a visitor come to his house and... The rich man said, oh, I'm not going to use my sheep. I'm not going to go out in my pasture field. I'm going to go take this one little sheep from this poor guy. He's poor anyways. One less sheep, who cares? And David gets irate, furious and angry, and just was ready to go kill that rich man and says there should come punishment down upon that rich man. And then that's when Nathan turns it on him and says, David, you're that rich man. Send in your military out to battle, so knowing that they would be, this husband would be killed because you've already been with his wife. And you can go on and read. David, of course he repents. He's caught. He's caught. Somebody knows. And you can read about that, but... Back to Nathan. He was the prophet. He had to deliver the message. And it was a tough message. It wasn't easy. But the message had to be delivered. Number three, evangelist. Notice how this is in the middle. And we'll talk about that as we go on. The evangelist comes with the message of salvation. So you see these are going to be wrapped up together. Some might be the apostle, the go-getter, let's get out there in the streets or let's get out there in the dark corners. But that apostle has to have some little bit of the evangelist in him as well. The evangelist then comes with this message of salvation. You need Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. This evangelist is all about getting out there, speaking to the unsaved. Speaking to those that may not have heard about Christ. Or he may be speaking to those within the community like ours or in our schools. And as a fearless clergy met, the one individual talked about you know, the fellowship of Christian athletes and how they bring in speakers um, to, for, the, for the high school students to, to hear. And the last speaker of the year was very evangelical. He brought the message of salvation. Many hands went up. Praise be to God. 
but there's at least two that have taken the step farther. They shared that one young girl went to be baptized at one of the local churches. And another girl called another pastor and planning to be baptized soon as well. There are people out there ready to listen. I think as a church and as people, sometimes we just say, oh, nobody else wants to come to church. Nobody else really wants to hear anything about Jesus. Nobody this and nobody that. And I think that's doing a big negative service for the Lord, isn't it? That's us in our human minds thinking that we know more than God. That's us in our human minds thinking that the Holy Spirit's not going to bring anybody else to Jesus. That's us thinking that we have it all figured out. That's us thinking and putting God in a box and that he can't do more. When we think like that, we're not using our spiritual gifts. We're allowing our humanness to get in the way. The evangelist gets the faith started. The evangelist gets the faith started, gets the questions coming. The evangelist has a robust energy to reach out to those who are not saved. Yes, this is the, the middle gift between these five. The evangelist is used to bring revival. Revival, not just to people, but to communities, to churches, to schools, to communities, to homes. And revival is great. Revival is needed. But something has to happen after that surge, after that surge of energy and message of salvation. Yes, it's easy for people to raise their hands and in the moment say yes to this and that. But where, what comes next? There has to be what's next. And after this, with this surge, there has to be a follow-up. There has to be people that come along to reach out and embrace those that raise their hands or come to the Lord or get baptized. The evangelist is needed. Without the evangelist getting out there with this robust message of the gospel and good news, the rest of us are going to struggle. Because the evangelist opens the door to possibilities. <coughs> Excuse me. So this evangelist is needed, which leads into the pastor. The pastor the good shepherd. Notice I said the good shepherd, the good shepherd of the flock. I did not say the good old shepherd. He doesn't have to be old. But yet, the pastor is an overseer, a faithful overseer of the daily and the weekly work and life of the body of believers. The pastor feeds on the word, and the pastor feeds the word. The pastor feeds the word of God to the people. The pastor protects. The pastor offers comfort. The pastor follows up 
with the work of the evangelist. The pastor is patient. The pastor is confident and strong and stays in the word of God. The pastor is consistent in his work, dependable and faithful, working with the living and working with the dying. When the sheep know, knows the voice of their shepherd, that is great. It is great for the shepherd to be known by his flock. But when the shepherd is known by the community, and when the community sees and knows the voice of that shepherd, the presence and the shepherd within that community is even greater. Becoming a role model, model and spiritual leader, becoming a comforter and faithful presence to the whole community. And that can only happen with the help of the Lord, with that God moment. And daughters are good too. Thank you, Fern. So we have the pastor. Number five, teachers. What are teachers? They are first students. You can't be a teacher, really, unless you have been a student. Somebody had to teach you. The Lord had to give you some insight. The Lord had to grant some knowledge, some inspiration, some teaching. So teachers are the studiers of God's word. And not just a student of the word, but they are a teacher, student of the people they are with. Good teachers know their students. Good teachers and the great teachers connect with their students. So a teacher is a student of the students, young or old. The teacher is dependent upon their students, dependent upon their presence, their commitment, their desire to learn. You could be in a room of hundreds of people, but if they have no desire to listen or to learn, are you really teaching? Are you really accomplishing anything? And that is challenging. Because I know as Sunday school teachers, school teachers, you have those moments when you think you must just be hitting your, wall, your head against that chalkboard or against the top of the desk. Continue. Continue in your work. The teacher would have strengths and overlapping gifts of knowledge and wisdom. The teacher would have gifts with the words, with the words, but also the teacher would have the gift of love, loving the student into learning, loving and encouraging them to try, try again. Oh, that's not right, but try, try again. Let's read this again. Let's study this again. Teachers keep teaching. So we have all these things, apostles, these individuals, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. What a list. 
a lot of responsibility for each and every one. And then Paul says, he says in verse 13, they will come together in unity. They will come together in unity by faith. Not faith in themselves and of their own abilities, but of the Lord. They will come together in unity. Verse 14, you will no longer be infants. Praise the Lord. We don't stay, to stay as toddlers. We don't stay in kindergarten. We don't stay in elementary school. No matter how great all those years were, or how much fun junior high was, or high school, whatever grade was your most favorite grade, I never heard anybody say after graduation, I want to come back and do that over again. I'm going to go back and do the senior year over. Or I want to go back to college just to, just to do all my classes again, do the same thing again. You never hear anybody say that. It was, you hear the great experience, it broadened my horizons, I, I learned so much, I could apply it to my life, job, work, whatever. But we all come to that point of, we're no longer infants. We're no longer influenced and tossed around by the things of this world. And then verse 15, we will, speak, we will be speaking the truth in love, we will grow, and we will mature. What an awesome plan God has for all of us. An awesome plan for his church. Yes, we need the apostles to get out there and get that first plow on that path into the wilderness. We need the prophet coming along, giving some direction. We need that evangelist giving the message of salvation. We need the pastor. We need the teachers. These may not be on top of your list, but they're in the list. You're somewhere a little bit in all these. Back when Angie and I lived in Sycamore, Ohio, and we started going to the Sycamore United Methodist Church, out on their sign, their front sign, you know, the old sign that still used the white letters that you, you would plug in with the little tabs, ear tabs, to hold them in, and it still says this to today. The church the people, all are ministers. Everyone is a minister in some way, shape, or form. You are a minister. What does the world see when you are in ministry? Your daily life, what do they see? I hope these, these tests, these uh, Sundays, the Sunday school lessons, I hope it's helping to get some clarity in your spiritual gifts. We still have some books. If you'd like to take one home, we still got room in the Sunday school classes. Come join us. Jump in. And uh, we're excited to continue to grow in our spiritual gifts because in this growth and in this understanding, it is Christ. Yes, it is Jesus Christ that joins us and binds us together. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, we give thanks for this day. We give thanks for your word. We give thanks for the many gifts that you give us. And we're looking at these spiritual gifts. Continue to guide and direct us in understanding our gifts more adequately. Lord, encourage us to step out in faith and use our gifts. 
And may with our gifts being known and us sharing in these conversations, Lord, we can plug your people into these areas of ministry to really be used and that they would not only feel confident in their gifts, but they would be blessed by using their gifts according to your ways and teachings. Jesus, these things I ask and pray in your holy name. Amen.